Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Open your Bible to two places. You've got two fingers open to Mark 2 verse 1. And while you're there, just to the right of Mark 2, you've got Luke 11 verse 6. I'm going to start um, just with a, a couple of points of inspiration before we get into the Word today. The title of my message is Faith Always Breaks Through. Did you hear that? I felt in my heart, and I don't know how long it's going to go for this year, but the Lord's been saying, teach the people about great faith. So I want to talk to you today about the faith that breaks through. Faith always breaks through. Faith always breaks through. Faith will not be denied. It always breaks through. It finds a way. It never, never gives up. It will find a way through. And I'm excited about that. The Bible says, and you don't need to turn to this, but 1 John 5, 4 it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Did you hear that? It conquers the world. And you're born of God today, so you have a conquering, overcoming spirit. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. What overcomes the world? The faith that's in you. You have a conquering, mountain-moving faith inside you. Did you hear that? Who, me? Yes, you. The moment you get born again, you get the faith of God that moves mountains, that creates worlds. You cannot be denied. You have the God kind of faith in you. You are a conqueror. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. He would say that, give up. He would say it's all too hard, but I'm here to tell you that you've got mountain-moving faith inside you. It's a spiritual force. As unbelief is a spiritual force, so is great faith. And I feel faith in this place today. I don't just feel it through my natural senses. I feel it through my spiritual senses. There's great faith here today. Why? Because you brought it with you. You're people of great faith. Bible says in 1 John, you're of God, little children. So that's you. You're of God. You have God inside. You have the God nature inside you. And you've overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's not too hard. Did you hear me? It's not too hard. The job's not too hard. The task is not too great. We can look at the news and we can become so overwhelmed by the problems of the day. But my Bible says that you're of God. And you have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. He is not intimidated by the mess that the world's in. In fact, he's full. He's the God of hope. He has great hope. He knows how it's going to end. He's got it all worked out and you're the answer. He's put his faith inside you. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. Good, 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 good. So I was asleep the other day, which I try to do. He says he gives his beloved sleep. And the Bible says that we're his beloved. So that means the moment I put my head on the pillow, I'm asleep, which is great, isn't it? It's our right. It's our privilege. So I just pray a little prayer, Lord. I'm open for dreams and visions and encounters. However you want to do it, I'm ready. Good night. And I'm asleep. So I, had a, I went to sleep and I woke up and I can't remember what had happened. But as I, awo- awo- as I woke up, I immediately had a download of this passage that I'm about to share with you before we get into our main passage. But I'm setting it up today for what I'm about to teach. And the Lord began to show me his heart for this season. 
And it took me a whole day to write it down because I forgot about it. But in Luke chapter 11 verse 5, it's a story about a man. And many of you know the story. He knocks on the door of a friend. And he says, friend, loan me three loaves of bread. For I have a friend coming. It's midnight and I've got nothing to give my friend. And the man inside the house said, I aren't getting up. I've got my children in bed with me. It's cold. It's late. Go away. Who needs friends when you've got... Yeah, yeah. So... The man on the door kept knocking. It was his persistence that got the man out of the bed. And you know the story. He gives him three loaves. And the Lord said to me, this is a parable of the end time church, that the Holy Spirit has come knocking on the door of the church. And he's after three loaves of bread. And I'm going to explain that because he explains that in a few verses down the track. It says, ask, seek and knock. He's after three loaves of for his friend, who is Jesus, who's about to return. So he knocks on the door and the man says, I, I can't open it. I've got my child and I'm in bed and we're not getting up. Children speak about future and inheritance. And much of the church is a sleeping bed and it's wrapped up in their own earthly sense of their future and their inheritance. And they've forgotten that what they have is actually for his future and his inheritance. And the Holy Spirit knocks and says, I'm awakening you because I want what is due, the Son. I want those three loaves of bread, for that is his inheritance. And the church says, go away. We're quite happy doing what we're doing. We're quite happy coming to church, singing three songs, going home, building our own little nest egg. Don't come back too quick because we've got a life to live. But see, God is stirring his church because we're getting a revelation of what is on his agenda for this hour, not just our agenda. And our agenda and his are going to become one. The Holy Spirit is persistent. He's going to keep knocking till you answer the door. And the great news is he knocks and the three loaves are delivered. Doesn't it say in Matthew 13, 33, that there was a woman who's a picture of the Holy Spirit. She takes a bunch of leaven and leaven can be used of sin, but also of revelation and doctrine. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So the woman takes a bunch of leaven, which is teaching and doctrine, doctrine and understanding, and she puts the leaven in three measures of meal until all the measures of meal have become leavened. Are you getting this? The Holy Spirit is bringing a revelation of what is on the mind of Jesus for this hour to the church. And every aspect of our life is going to be totally totally immersed in his agenda for this hour. Luke 11 says, Ask for everyone who asks, they shall receive. And for him who seeks, they will find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Do you understand that this is a progression of the church, of the saints? Everyone who asks shall receive. That's talking of salvation. To him who seeks, they will find. That's talking about sonship. And discovering our identity. We have to seek after that. Salvation is easy. You ask and it's yours. Sonship's not so easy. You have to seek out your identity in him. You get a revelation of who you are. He unwinds the orphan spirit and gives you a spirit of sonship. You must pursue that. It doesn't come with a prayer. Did you hear me? It's an understanding. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. And then it says knock. Knock. And the door will be open to you. 
We go from passive to aggressive, from easy to receive, then we, it, so that's salvation, sonship, and then we step into a realm called spiritual dominion. Ask, seek, and knock. And as we progress along those lines, it becomes more about a partnership. At the start, it's all about what Jesus did. He, it's identification. We identify with his work. It's all by grace. The second part is about identity. We have to seek after that, get a revelation of that. The third part, it's about being identical with him. Didn't Jesus say when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of three things? Do you get that? Three loaves he's after. What's the first one? Of sin, because the world does not believe him. That's all about salvation. Much of the church, well, I hope the church has got that one down pat. We understand what it means to be born again. He and you know sin became sin for us. We become born again. Then he convicts the world of righteousness. Why? Because the son is going to heaven and we'll see him no more. We'll have no visible demonstration of what it means to be a son. So the Holy Spirit will step in and begin to speak to the church about what it means to be a son. We sang about it today. He's a good, good father. Much of the church is stepping into that realm of the revelation of sonship. Now, this is the issue, is now we need to step into the third realm, the third lobe, which is spiritual dominion, which is we begin to wrestle and we say to the enemy, what you've got, I want back. It belongs to me. Jesus is not coming back until the, the enemy has made his footstool, until the church begins to, to take the authority that was won at the cross. It's not just about salvation, not just about sonship, but then the sons have to step into spiritual dominion. And this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where it separates the men from the boys, the, the flowers from the trees. This is where we become one with him in dominion. And that's why you need sonship nailed. If you are not sure about your identity, you will be wiped out in the war. Because when the wrestle comes and you can't feel God, you wonder where he's gone because everything's gone black and hazy. You'll need to know that God has not deserted you. He said, I'll never leave you. Or I'll never forsake you. So sonship, salvation, sonship, and spiritual dominion. So the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door. He says, get up out of your bed and deliver me the three loaves that belong to the Son. He's coming back for a perfected bride. That's why it's a big deal to God. That's why he spends two chapters in Genesis unveiling creation and then 50 chapters unveiling the new creation through the tabernacle. We need to begin to see this, that God has a plan that there's just much, so much bigger than just your salvation. As wonderful as that is, God has a plan. Are you getting this? And so what are we hearing from the Holy Ghost today? He is saying... Salvation, sonship, spiritual dominion. Take your authority and begin to demand to have back what belongs to you. And so we begin to say, not on my turf. We begin to take authority. Not, oh, what's the government going to do? The government can't do anything. This is a spiritual matter. We have dominion. It's for the church to stand alongside government and begin to wrestle on their behalf. Are you hearing me? John talks about children. He talks about young men and fathers. There's a progression. 
And right through Scripture, we see this over and over again. The, the heartbeat of God for the church to arise in the fullness of the stature of Christ. I'm on a mission to get in your face. And say, so, come on, it's time to go through these stages and begin to be like Jesus. You know, how will the church ever reach the world? How will Jesus ever return if we cannot deal with the most simplest of problems? Does he love me? Does he not? Well, you know, there's, there's a time for that. But there's also a time that the church rises up and, and begins to take dominion. You can't bypass any of these stages. Holy Ghost is not going to let you sleep. He's knocking on your door. See, we're shifting from personal to territorial. We're shifting from defensive to offensive. And, and I'm sorry, but I get so spiritually agitated because so much of the church worldwide is defensive, not offensive. Is personal, not territorial. That, that it's wonderful being in the river and, and we need all these things. Don't misunderstand me. But there must be a place where God's people step up to the plate and begin to demand nations and cities and places of authority and influence. Faith will always break through. And so I believe with all my heart that God is raising up a church full of faith and boldness that will take kingdoms and cities and nations. Great faith. I dream of great things, don't you? So have you got Mark chapter 2? Now don't let me down now. Stay with me. Wrestle with me. Don't let these words bounce back to me. The Lord showed me that there's a scripture that says, when Jesus sends out the disciples, he said, go and find houses where there's a son of peace there. And if you find a house where there's a son of peace, let your peace rest on him. If there's no son of peace there, your peace will return. And what was he saying? He's saying that when you cast out the word, it rests on some people because they receive it because they are a son being taught by a father. They want, what the, they want their father's breakthrough. Other people sit there and they don't receive the word and it bounces back. I call it swirling as we preach. So sometimes when I've preached at places, there's a swirl that goes on because you'll, you know, the term it's like you preach or you speak to people and it bounces off. Have you ever had that? It's like the light's on but no one's home. And in the spirit round, it just swirls. The words are finding a place to settle and they can't, so they return. Don't be like that today. Have your hearts open. Say, God, every one of those words, let them find a lodging place. So I call it leaning in. Yeah? Are you leaning? Mark 2, 1. Have you got it? And again, he was entered Capernaum, which was his hometown. And after some days, it was heard that Jesus was in the house. That's always a good thing when Jesus is in the house, isn't it? Immediately, many gathered together. So there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. And so Jesus preached the word to them. And then they came to him, bringing a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. I tell my kids, whenever you see numbers and things like that, underline them because there's a picture. God is saying something. He doesn't go, oh, there's four men. Let's pick a random number. Three measures of meal. 
Underlying things like, here's a clue when you're seeking revelation. Look for key words. Four men carrying a paralyzed man to Jesus. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, other uh, gospels tell us that the crowd was full of Pharisees and teachers of the law. So there was a lot of resistance, blockages, unbelief. When you read about the crowd in the Gospels, often they are blocking people coming to Jesus. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. The crowd blocks our view of him. So that's a picture too of your background, your heritage, your family, your your doctrine, tradition, even your religion, your denomination. It can block what Jesus is doing in your world. It doesn't want the current expression of what God is doing. So when they couldn't come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. So they climbed up on the roof, four men and a paralyzed man in a stretcher. That's great faith. You can picture in your mind the scene that would have uh, befallen them, the, the, the chaos, the trying to balance this man and get him up on a roof. If we can't get in... We're not going to quit and go home and say, well, maybe that wasn't God's will. We will find a way to get to Jesus. I want you to know today, sometimes, and I'm getting ahead of myself, sometimes Jesus is waiting for you to find another way to him. There's a lot of passivity in the body of Christ, and we put it down to God's will. Well, maybe God didn't want it. No, maybe he's wanting you to find another way. Maybe he's waiting for a spirit of boldness to come. Well, if it be God's will, he will send me a wife. No, maybe you need to put some, actually a husband, maybe you need to put on some makeup and go and find somebody. Get off your butt and begin to to advertise that you're available. Get out of the house and begin to shine. And it's the same in the spirit. Often people are passive when it comes to their breakthrough. But these men are not. So they let down the man, the bed on which the paralyzed man was lying, and Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So four things today very quickly by faith. Number one, let's look at verse one and two. When Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, it was heard he was in the house. When I read of the house, I think of my heart. The word was in the house. Say with me, the word was in the house. Ah. Faith comes when the word enters our heart. If I want faith that breaks through, I need to understand that it comes when the word of God penetrates my heart. Now I'm after you. The Word's got to penetrate your heart. It's got to become part of your DNA. There no, see, there's no longer any time I spoke about the Holy Spirit coming after the church, raising up dominion. This, this is all about the church becoming immersed in the Word so faith would arise for this hour. It will take great faith to exercise dominion in this hour. 
This is not a time for pansies. This is a time for people that are immersed in the Word of God and there's faith in their heart because they have believed the Word has come and penetrated their heart. And that doesn't happen with an occasional shower. You need to be drenched in the Word. Joshua 1.8 says, We meditate in the Word day and night and then you will make your way successful. I love this. The Word comes into our heart. See, we're not trying to get faith today because the Word's coming to your heart already. Did you hear me? The moment you get born again, this Bible that we read tells us that faith enters our heart. You already have the measure of faith. Oh, I don't want some faith. I don't know if I've got faith, my friend. The moment you hear the Word of God and you respond to Jesus, you heard someone preach the Word. The moment you said yes to Jesus, faith came to your heart. Not just any faith, not your faith, not mind over matter, but the faith of God Himself came inside. Did you hear me? Romans 12, 3 says... God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Well, he gave me a little measure. No, he's given you the very measure of his faith. Now, I don't know about you, but when God measures things out, he's prone to be a bit excessive. You know, in, in the past, I think a measure of faith, maybe it's just got this little drop of faith. You know, one drop of innocence, one drop of little faith. No, he pours out his faith. See, some of you don't know that song, do you? I'm Milton, your supernatural son. He gives us a measure of faith. The moment we hear the word, it penetrates our heart and faith begins to explode on the inside. Faith is actually a spiritual force that's inside you. It's a spiritual force. And the moment faith enters your heart, something begins to change on the inside of you. Mark eleven twenty two. we read last week, it says, have the faith of God. Did you hear that? He's saying you've got it. Have the faith of God for whoever, that's you today, would say to any mountain in your world, be removed and be cast into the sea. And he does not doubt, but he believes. What does he believe? Let's have a look. He believes that the things that he says will be done. He does not doubt in his heart. Why? Because the word has got inside. And he believes that the things that he says shall be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you already have received them and you'll have them. In other words, what Jesus is saying, when the word gets inside your heart, you will get a conviction that it is a done deal. And I've been guilty of putting much of my inheritance somewhere in the future. See, it says here, when the word comes in your heart, you get a conviction that it is already done. It is already done. Remember, Jesus, God the Father, works from the end first, then goes back to the beginning. He completes a work, then he goes back and starts it in the natural. And this is what Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 11. He says, when you get a conviction in your heart, when you get so immersed in the word, you will see that everything has already been done on your behalf. And then you begin to declare it. And it says in Mark eleven twenty three, it says, 
you will believe that the things you say will be done. That word will be done literally means it begins to birth itself. So what is done in the spirit then begins to birth itself in the natural. And this is the whole concept. When faith comes to the heart, when Jesus comes to the house, there is an understanding right through the house that Jesus is here and everything he says has already been done. It's not pie in the sky. It's steak on the plate while you wait. It's right here, right now. Not when Jesus comes, everything will be right. No, he has given you power and authority right now. Are you hearing me? And it's so passive to put everything onto him in the future. He says, no, it's done now. Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus comes into my heart, everything changes. That's what gives your words authority. Too many people can spout off scriptures and say this and that. But the the issue is, is your heart echoing what your mouth says? Two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. That's not just God and me. That's my mouth and my heart. There must be a yes and an amen. What I'm saying with my mouth must be wrestled in my heart until it takes root inside me. You're not born again by saying a prayer. You can say, Jesus, come into my heart and I'll be born again. It's not a magical prayer. You must believe in your heart and confess what you believe in your heart. I've led people to the Lord in the street. I've said, pray this prayer and you'll be saved. And they've walked away just as unsaved. But what saves a man? What saves a woman? When their heart sees who Jesus is, the Lamb of God. And they see, see your confession will follow. True confession follows a revelation of your heart. Jesus is in the house. Faith comes when the word enters the heart. Secondly, faith is empowered by the word. Listen to this, verse 2. And Jesus preached the word to them, and then they came to him. I wonder what he preached today. Maybe he said something like, all those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. And the moment the word is preached and heard and declared, faith is empowered to do what the word says. Do you hear this? When the word is preached, faith is empowered. When you hear the word, there is an empowering of the the word in your faith. Faith is activated. Faith is empowered. When God speaks, listen, when God speaks, there is an empowerment in the words that he speaks. I don't know if a lot of people get that. He says, my words, John 6, 63, are spirit words and there is life in my word. We read the Bible as a a form of encouragement. My friend, it's much more than encouragement. It's called empowerment. Did you hear me? So when he says, be strong, he's not saying, oh, little dear, you know, know, be strong. Be strong, little one, little fairy, little flower. (laughs) Be strong, you'll get there. He's saying, Be strong. And when he says that, the words themselves carry the power to make us strong. It's not a suggestion. It's an empowerment that the word carries. So when you read the Bible, it's not like auto-suggestion. I read that. The words are spirit and life, and I become what he commands me to be. 
He speaks in the house and immediately people are empowered by that word to do something. Genesis 1.28 says that God blessed man and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, have a great time. And when God spoke those words to mankind, the words carried the power to carry that out. He doesn't give you a command without the power to fulfill that command. The commands carry the power to fulfill them. So Adam and Eve didn't come back next day and say, Lord Jesus, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the power to make us fruitful and multiply. We intercede for fruitfulness and power from on high. We pray of thee, O God. We beg on our face with fasting and prayer. Please make us fruitful in the name of Jesus because that's how we pray. Amen. No, no, because God's word is, is he's empowering. They were already empowered. We spend way too much praying and not enough time saying. We're praying for things we've already got rather than declaring who we are in Christ. I am empowered because he spoke. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he really means that. And when I proclaim that, as you heard today, even from the platform, there is power in that word of strength already. I'm not asking for strength. Oh, Lord, please strengthen me. See, a lot of the prayers we pray are religious nonsense. I've empowered you with the word. Be strong. I can do all things through Christ. You said that, Lord. Those words are spirit and life. See, his word is incorruptible. It's living and active. And when it goes out of God's mouth, it doesn't fall on the ground. It continues to work in every heart that believes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. The living word never loses its power. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That word blessed us literally means he has spoken good things about us and of us. Did you hear that? God has spoken already good things about me and of me. And he has blessed me, what with? He has spoken every spiritual blessing over my life. He has already declared those things. The word has already gone out. And the word empowers my faith. We're getting an upgrade in our mind today. In the word, there is power and authority to be and do what the word says we can be and do. Romans chapter 116 says, The word of God. Is not just empowerment, but sorry, not just encouragement, but empowerment. Listen to this: I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Did you hear that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Every word that's in the gospel, every word of God, because in those words is power for salvation. Salvation means my deliverance. There is power in the word of God. See, Martha was distracted by much serving. Literally, when you read the Greek, it says she was going round and round circles serving. And much of the church is going round and round and round circles, doing good works, baking cakes, selling it for the poor, giving away this, doing that. But Mary chose the good thing that could not be taken from her. And it says that when Jesus came, she sat at his feet and heard the word. One hour of meditation is equal to a hundred hours of toil, the Lord said to me. 
30, 60, 100 fold. And we get over into the realm of the natural and wear ourselves out. Burnout is a sign that you've left his feet. You've left the word where there's empowerment. And you're going round and round in circles, pleasing everyone else. And you haven't chosen the thing that will last. You haven't chosen the necessary thing. If you are too busy to get the word inside you, guess what? You're too busy. Oh, you don't know how busy. Some people wear it like a badge of honor. Oh, I'm so busy, busy, busy. Oh, I'm so busy. You're a fool. That's what you are. Who is in control of your life? Who is in control? Oh, you don't understand. Yeah, I understand. Because you've not honored the word in your life. You're in toil and sweat. And the fruit thereof will be all around you to see. Faith is empowered by the word. Number three. Because I can tell you're really excited about that point. This Verse 4. Now when, who? Four men and a paralyzed guy. When these four men could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was and they broke through and let down the bed on which the paralyzed man was lying. As I said to you before, the crowd is filled with negativity and unbelief. And if you're going to have faith that breaks through, you are going to have to deal not just with your negativity and unbelief, but everyone around you. The moment you choose to live by faith, most of the church will think you're mad. And in fact, you shouldn't tell them. Because it'll be like a wet blanket. It's trying to get Abraham's blessing with Thomas's faith. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So they were going to break through, but there was resistance. My friend, do not be surprised when there is resistance. There's so much unbelief around us. Unbelief comes because of ignorance. People don't know any better. So you tell them, I've got a revelation that God wants to bless me and prosper me. I've got a revelation of wealth, you know. I've got this revelation of wealth that says that God wants to so bless me that it'll blow your socks off. And you know what? God doesn't have a pie. God has a pie-making factory. and the, Thank you. And we want to cut the pie, and it says it like this. If I buy a new car, that's less money for the missions. If I, if I have a nice house, that's less money for the poor. And God's saying, I make pies. Are you getting this? Religion says, not much for you. Give it all away. And, 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 but God says, you know what? Let's do both. Let's do both. Let's do both. That's the wealth concept. But see, religion, tradition, that's why when they came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. Woohoo! Jesus says, who are my brothers, mothers and brothers? He had an amnesia. I don't know who they are. Mary, who's Mary? You know, Mary, here. she's here. Your brothers are here. He says, I don't have any mothers or brothers, but whoever does my will, the Father's will, they're my mothers and brothers. What was he saying? He wasn't saying disown your family. He was saying when your tradition and your background and your experiences is exalted over the Father's kingdom, you're in trouble. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Ignorance, poor teaching, natural sense realm. Uh, now, now, I don't have a beef, but <laughs> it amazes me how people pick churches. 
You know, I hear people, I've got friends there, I've got, they've got good children's program, and they're all great. It's great to have friends and children's program. But how many people listening to this podcast who email me, who speak to me, people all over the world who are in churches where they are dying because they are not being fed, and yet they stay there because of natural circumstances and surroundings. Mate, put me in a church where no one talked to me, give me the word and I'll be happy. Amen. Put me in the church where they preach the word and I've got lots of friends that will even be happier. My point is, you elevate the word in your life. Ignorance, religious teaching, poor teaching, natural sense realm. It all comes to block our view. And so many people don't enter the life of faith because they are put off by the crowd. I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of God, there is a life of faith that we haven't even begun to experience that's out there. For us to discover. I want you to notice there were four men that carried this paralyzed man. I read that and the Holy Spirit said, did you see that? I said, yeah, there's four men. He says, no, did you really see it? I said, yeah, four men. Four men and a stretcher. It makes sense because there's four poles, four men. And he said to me, did you really see what I'm saying? He said, these four men were forerunners. Carrying a paralyzed church to its destiny. And that is exactly what is taking place today. The church of today is breaking through into new realms. We are forerunners that have gone past this religious tradition, going to church and playing games. We are desperate for a move of God, desperate to enter into the fullness. So we pick up the paralyzed church. We don't see, notice this, they didn't go into the house on their own. They picked up the paralyzed church and saying, you're coming where we're going. And if we have to lift you up, we will lift you up because we love the church. I love the body of Christ. And I, you know, I've said things even today about being in churches where the preach is not great, where they're not being fed. It's not that I don't love the church. I love the church. And so we pick up the church and say, come up higher. Get past this unbelief. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He climbed up a tree and he got a new view. So forerunner, a forerunning people lift up the paralyzed church and say, Jesus is here today. We're about to move into a new realm of his kingdom. I'm saying to you today that resistance and unbelief is often a gift from God. Hitting your head against the wall, frustration, no breakthrough. What are you doing, God? Often that is God's greatest gift because it causes us to find another way up higher. If I can't get through the door, I'll get through the roof. Lord, if it means I need to shift here, I will shift. If I need to get uncomfortable, I'll get uncomfortable. Do what you need to do. I'm here to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. That's what God says. And so those that are comfortable, he knocks on the door and says, get out of your bed. Stop being so selfish. There is a world to win. I want to flow through you. I will not let you stay asleep. So they climbed up the roof. I like climbers. Don't you like climbers? Climb up the roof. Let me tell you, when you choose to walk by faith, you will never have another comfortable day ever again. And that's why people don't like walking by faith. Because they like comfort. They value comfort over growth. 
I've had days where it feels like my heart's been pulled out and slapped and put back in, where I feel like I'm going to explode, where I feel like I can't stand another moment. And I walked outside and screamed at God. He smiled back. He said, you'll be all right. You can make it. You can do it. I said, I cannot do it. I know myself better than you know me. And I'm at my wit's end. You know, when you're up to there, God, I'm up to here now. Pressed down, shaking together, running out all over with, I've had enough. He says, you can do it. I've not called you to do something you can't do. Where I'll give you a way of escape. Well, give me the way of escape now. I, you see, what I'm doing, I'm increasing your capacity. You said, God, use me. And I said, okay, I'm stretching you to contain all that I will do. And you don't like being stretched? That's okay. The end will be better than the beginning. You'll make it, son. I've got faith in you. You will come through. Okay, God. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's go again. My spirit finds comfort in the unseen realm of faith, but my flesh finds comfort in the natural forms of sight. So I've got to live by the spirit. It thrives in risk, faith-taking ventures. But my flesh hates it. Don't fast to move God. Fast, if you want, to kill the flesh. Bring it into alignment. Once you step out, everything will begin to change. This is what the Lord said to me, Andrew. Fruit is always found out on the branches. <sighs> I like the trunk, Lord. I like, I'm, a, I'm a tree hugger. I like hugging tr- trunks. It's much more safe. Oh, Lord. No, come on out in the branches. The Lord, they're, they're much thinner than the trunk, and you know, they're prone to snapping. But he says, you, But I'm glorified where when you bear fruit, and there's no fruit on the trunk, it's out on the limb. You've got to get out on the limb to live by faith. You may not make it, you may fall. It's called living by faith. But that's where the fruit is. There's no fruit on the trunk, the fruit's on the limb. You've got to take a risk, it could all go wrong. People could laugh at you. They could say, lock him up, throw away the key, he's lost the plot. But didn't they do that about all the great men and women of faith? But see, God says in Hebrews 11, I'm proud to call them my own. I'm not ashamed to be called their God. Who's he saying about men and women of faith? That's my boy. Look at him out in the limb. Look, look, heaven, look, look, he's about to fall. And they're all applauding us. But the world's going, you fool, you're about to fall. But heaven's saying, you are my chosen one. That's what I'm after. He took a risk. And so much of the church was so calculated, got our calculators out at night, working out whether we can pay our bills. You know, if I save $100 a week in 25 years at 6% compound interest, we'll have enough to retire. My friend, God's going to shake your world up and it serves you right. He wants you to live by faith. There's no faith when you can add it all up and you've got it all nicely worked out on your spreadsheets. He's going to blow on your Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) Oh, the Holy Spirit's on me. He says caution is not a fruit of the Spirit. 
Should I check that again in Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and caution. And against such there is no law. No, he doesn't say that. There is no caution as the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a risk taker. How do I know that? He chose you. That was a risk. He chose 12 disciples. What a risk. Well, you know what? We only make a decision when everything's sure. Well, you know what? You're better than Jesus. Because you know what? He picked people and they failed him. He's a risk taker. He steps out. Because it's out in the deep where there's a catch. There's no catch on the shore. It's only safety. Cardigans. (laughs) Earl Grey tea and tomato sandwiches. So I have this theory, if it's God, he will open the door. And so we go to Revelation, behold, I've set before you an open door. And so we think that means that's, that's a sign of the Spirit. But no, he wasn't saying that. He was saying to the church, that church was actually on a highway where there was an open pa- passage from people would trade through that. He says, I've set before you an open door. See, David Cartledge, one of the heroes of faith in the Australian churches, he said, I've made a career out of kicking down doors. And we think if it's God, it will just all flow. It will just be supernatural. There'll be no resistance. There'll be no fight. There will be a rest. Indeed, there will be a rest while you kick down doors. The rest isn't about the resistance. The rest is about what's inside you. Did you get that? Should I say that again? The rest isn't saying there will be no turmoil. He says, while you're alive, you will have persecution. Tick. Oh, but I thought there was a rest and an open door. No, there will be stuff going on. The key is what's inside you. That's where the rest is located. And what I have inside me, the kingdom of God works outside, sorry, inside out, where the kingdom of darkness works outside in. So there is turmoil there, but what's inside me is what counts. David Cartledge also said, too many people have a wishbone where there should be a backbone. And it's true. Oh, I'm a man of faith until the pressure hits and they run like cockroaches. <laughs> I'm behind you, yeah? Until the battle rages, till demons come out, till they show their face. Even in the midnight hour and you wake up and there's demons in your room and people trying to take you out and you see who are the men and women of great faith. Paul wrote about that. The people that deserted him... Because they lack faith and courage and strength. They're Kit Kat people. Do you understand what I mean? They always want to take a break. Well, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check out now, you know. And I understand there are seasons where we need to rest. So get the big picture, don't get upset and critical. But some people have been taking a break for 20 years. Well, you know what? I served the Lord back in 1967. I gave him a good year. And now I'm in my sabbatical. I'm having a break. These men were risk takers. Didn't say, oh, let's come back next week. You know, I think I heard there's another Sunday morning service next week. No, this was their hour. And they said, we will break through. Oh, they had resistance. Of course they had resistance. Hello. 
Sometimes you have to pray with your teeth gritted. I get up and I begin to pray and it feels like there's a wall against me. So what? Pray. Grow up. Remember, Holy Spirit knocking, three measures, three loaves. We're stepping out of sonship, well not out of through sonship, into spiritual dominion where the sons know even when the heavens feel like brass, they know God is with them. And they know even when they have spoken and nothing shifts in the natural, something has happened in the spirit. Because no word spoken out of God's people, out of their mouth, returns void. Every word has power in it. Deterred or determined is the question. One climbs, the other collapses. One moves forward, one shrinks back. One lives by the word, the other one lives by feelings. One thrives on risk, one is seduced by safety. I'm here to tell you, if you are seduced by safety, God wants you to change. If there is no sense of needing God in your life, where you're not believing for more, where you're not just self-reliant, then you are in a dangerous place. We must live a life of faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by caution. By faith. There must be a dimension, not just for you, but for, the, for those around you. There must be an expression of faith in your prayer life. Ask of me and I will give you your street, your tree, your cubby house. I will give you the nation's. God is so extravagant. It's outrageous. So, verse 5, and it says, And now Jesus saw their faith. So here's the question. When Jesus looks at you, what does he see? Well, he sees someone who's quite responsible, quite handsome, has a good family and is raising his kids to be very nice citizens. We never do much wrong. Very clean living. Very clean very clean, very clean people. Jesus is very impressed by my cleanness. Jesus saw their faith. That's what impresses Jesus. Faith. Faith. Faith got people that didn't deserve to be healed. They were out of their timing, Gentiles, dogs, and hop them over into a new realm that they didn't belong in. How does a Gentile get healed? Great faith. It says, I know that I'm out of timing. I know that somehow I've got the wrong name. My name should be Goldstein. And it's. <laughs> but Jesus, I need a miracle. And I believe that you are willing. And I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Jesus saw their faith. Isn't it interesting that Jesus looks over a crowd and you'll pass the theologian, the clean living person, and you'll find the man or the woman of great faith. There's something about faith that attracts all of heaven to a person. Jesus saw their faith. See, faith requires action. He says to Joshua, see, I've given you the land. Joshua says, thanks, Lord. I'm glad. Now we can rest. No, Joshua, he says to Joshua, I've given you the land. Now you go and possess it. You do something. Faith demands 
action. It's always demonstrated. Faith that breaks through, there must be an action associated with that faith. Do you have faith? James says, prove it. When was the last time you gave outrageously? Hang on, where's my spreadsheet? Excel spreadsheet. 2014. Yeah, yeah, I gave. Jesus, none of that's recorded. I'm looking for faith. I'm looking for faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. I'm not saying you have to give it all away, but there has to be a dimension of faith in your life. That, you know, it's called this, the ouch factor. If there's no ouch factor, it's not a widow's might. It's just operating in the flesh. It's giving according to logic. Now, I'm not just talking about money. It's about every area of life. There must be a faith dimension. There are things in my heart that I've carried for years, corporately, personally, that require great faith to believe. And they're on their way, and I can't prove it, but I know. And that excites Father. Do you know he loves me? He's so excited because there's an element of faith, and he loves you too. And he's excited because there's an element of faith in you. You're here today because there's faith. You sense there's something more. And I can feel it. I feel it. I feel spiritual vibes that there's faith here. There's faith that says, God, there's got to be more. I'm going to step out. And I listen to you talk. I spy on you and I listen after church and walk around and I listen to what people are talking about. And it's not about the footy, as good as that is, or the cricket. But there's a groaning, an urging, an excitement because we know God is up to something. And we're reaching out. And that's why God's so excited, he says. So here's the deal. Faith is demonstrated. I am an instrument where the Holy Ghost flows through to demonstrate the power of Father. Faith must be demonstrated. See, it's like this, and I'm almost finished. If I get a power cord and I put it in the power... And there's unlimited power coming through there, isn't it? I've done this before as a kid, put my finger in there and felt the power. <laughs> Threw me across a room, I stuck a knife into a, the back of an audio amplifier because I thought I was an electrician. <laughs> and it ate the knife, literally took a hunk out of the knife and threw me across the room and my sister came and touched me. And she said, who touched me? And I felt healing virtue flow out. <laughs> and she received my power. And two was also slain in the spirit. There's power, unlimited power. But you and I know that if we put that power into a little 20-watt globe or 5-watt globe, it looks dim and we think, is that all the power? See, it's like the wattage of the globe is a picture of our faith. And the bigger the globe, the greater demonstration of what is capable. We are a reflection of God to the world. Our faith demonstrates to the world the greatness of God. Doesn't Ephesians 3.20 say, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, great power, right? Exceedingly abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, that's our faith. According to the power that is in us. He's saying great faith 
releases great power. Great faith demonstrated will release the kingdom. That's why Psalm 128.5 says the prosperity of Jerusalem points to the reality of Zion. When you take great faith, when you take a risk, when you are blessed, when, when, you, when you believe for more than just what you need, and people look and think, how did you do that? It points to the reality of God. See, the world's not impressed by your Excel spreadsheets. Oh, look at them. Nice people. Paid all their bills, owned their house, two kids in a private school, don't swear or tell jokes. There must be a God. It's very facetious, isn't it? But they are impressed by people that get out in the limb and take risk for Father. Start new ventures. Believe for the impossible. Reach out to the poor at Hope City Mission and pray for them and believe for them and see lives transformed. Begin to sow into things. Believe for things. Get alongside politicians and see their lives change. That's what great faith is about. It is always demonstrated. So I say to you as I finish today, where is your faith? Is it being demonstrated? The faith that breaks through will be demonstrated. God's been speaking today through all the fun and the occasional silliness. God's been speaking to you about faith. He's saying, I want a people that truly believe in their hearts what I say about them. They're empowered by my word and let the word possess them. And then they begin to take risks as they hear me lead. They stand on the word and they believe for more. And as they do that, they will be the forerunning people that take not just the paralyzed church, but the paralyzed city, paralyzed nations, where there's blockages in the spirit. And the enemy, enemy thinks, if I do that and that and that, I will block this city from Jesus. Guess what? The forerunning church full of faith picks that city up and says, you blocked us, but there is another way. Did you hear me? That's what great faith is about. So we stand in our bedrooms and look out the window over our city and we speak Jesus Christ is King and a Lord. That's great faith. When everything says no, we pray down our streets, we share our faith, we reach out to the poor, we give when we can't, we don't see our Excel spreadsheets matching up. We do these things because we are people of great faith. This church is filled with great faith. And this is going to be your greatest year yet because you are going to step out in faith. This is your hour of power to step out in faith, to get out in the limb. It's risky, but it's fruitful. How many people want fruit in their life? Father, you're glorified when we bear much fruit. So we say, Lord, call us out on the limb because you said you will never leave us or forsake us. The Lord has said, so we may boldly say, you'll never leave us or forsake us. You are out on that limb. In fact, you live out on the limb. So we want to be where you are. So, Father, this day, I release great faith over your church. I speak into your spirits such a hunger and a desire for the living word of God that would transform you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, that would realign your values, your ideas, your purposes. I say this day, may there come such a holy hunger 
to be immersed. The Word says, if you abide in me, the Word, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. There is a new season of abiding in the Word. The enemy has told you you can't do it, it's too hard, you won't understand it. My friend, God will wake you up like he does to me. I'm just this, you know, I'm just like you, just a man, just flesh. And he will wake you up and say, this means that and this means that. As you seek him, you will find him. As you knock, the door will be open. He will do that. He unveils mysteries. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So right now, Father, impart to your people great faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I say of you, miracles, signs, wonders, a release of the gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of healing, the gift of faith. I pray, Father, all these would be activated by our great faith. Lord, we pray for deeper dimensions of your Spirit, visions and dreams and encounters, Holy Ghost interventions, favor, breakthrough, everything about the kingdom. Let it come in its fullness this year, we pray. Lord, you don't need to knock on our door to get us out of bed. We're waiting at the door with the three loaves in our hands. And we're saying, Lord, we sign up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We receive today your great faith, the faith of God. In the name of Jesus. So just as your hands are raised, just receive that now. A fresh impartation. You see, the faith that you have is of God, but it also grows. It grows as we nourish it, feed it, have expectation. So just see yourself today having a measure of faith of God and see it being activated, demonstrated, growing, maturing. See you walking, see yourself walking in boldness and authority. We thank you, Lord. And just before we finish, if there's anyone listening to my voice on podcast, watching this video, anyone who can hear the sound of my voice, even in this building today, and you've never given your life to Jesus, the most important thing you can do on this earth is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord with your mouth. And if you've never done that, you can do that right where you are. No matter if you hear this message in years to come, days to come, or even right now, those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that right where you sit, right where you stand right now. Call out to Him, and He will come in. He says, the Father, the Son... And the Spirit would make their home in you. And you will be born again. A new creation. The old is past and the new has come. And you'll never be the same again. So why don't you right now, if you've never done that, ask Him into your life. And we thank you, Father, that all of heaven rejoices over the salvation of even one. In Jesus' name. So go... In the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember the word of the Lord today. Step out in faith. Expect opportunities. Expect Him to speak to you throughout the day and as you sleep. And may this week be your greatest week ever.